Section 23 of The Diary of a Country Parson by James Woodford Read by John Greenman This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. 1780 Anno Domini, 1780, January 1st Had a letter this evening from my brother Hyes in which he informed me that he had lately received a letter from Lord Guilford, note, see footnote, page 245, concerning his son William, who lately waited on Lord Guilford in person as a midshipman, and his lordship desired to know his name and age. We were pleased with it. January 5th. My maid, Nanny Lilliston, left my service this morning, having had proper notice before given her. I paid her a quarter's wages due, now ten shillings, to her also for a quarter's allowance for tea, two shillings sixpence. I gave to her also a free gift of two shillings sixpence. I had no other fault to find with her, but that she did not choose to be under the other maid. In every other respect a very good servant, I believe. Betty Greaves, a girl of about fifteen, came to my house in the room of Nanny Lilliston. She is a neat girl, and I hope will do, though she is small. January 15th. Received a letter this evening from Sister Pounsett, in which she tells me that poor Mrs. Joni Russ of Dimmer is dead. She was a good woman, and I hope now happy. Received also a letter from Bill Woodford, on board the Ariadne sloop, now of the Yarmouth Roads. He tells me that his ship had been in great danger striking on the sands near Yarmouth. It was also on the Norwich newspaper, but got off again. He also tells me that he has not a single farthing in his pocket, and desires me to send him some cash. January 18th. This being our gracious Queen Charlotte's birthday, I fired off my blunderbuss with three charges of powder in it, and a good deal of paper, and gave three cheers. January 28th. I breakfasted, supped, and slept again at home. Sister Clark, Nancy, and Sam breakfast, etc., here again. I went to church this morning a little before twelve, and publicly presented Mr. Custance's child in the church. Sir Edmund Bacon and Lady and Mr. Press Custance assisted as sponsors. Mr. Custance was also at church with the others. After the ceremony Mr. Custance came up to me and presented me with a Norwich banknote of five guineas, wrapped up in some writing paper. He asked me to dine with the company at Ringland at two o'clock, therefore I walked by myself there, and dined, and spent the afternoon, and stayed till after seven in the evening, and then walked back home. The company present were Sir Edmund Bacon and Lady, Mr. and Mrs. Custance, and Mr. Press Custance. Coming away gave George the servant two shillings sixpence. We had for dinner a calf's head, boiled fowl and tongue, a saddle of mutton roasted on the side table, and a fine swan roasted with currant jelly sauce for the first course. The second course, a couple of wild fowl called dunfowls, larks, blamange, tarts, etc., etc., and a good dessert of fruit after amongst which was a damson cheese. I never eat a bit of a swan before, and I think it good eating with sweet sauce. The swan was killed three weeks before it was eat, and yet not the less bad taste in it. January 31st. A very comical dull day with us all. Sister Clark very low. 
In the evening Sam spoke in favor of the Methodists rather too much, I think. We did not play cards this evening, as usual. February 4th. This being a day, it was a Friday, for a general fast to be observed through the kingdom, to beg of Almighty God his assistance in our present troubles, being at open rupture with America, France, and Spain, and a blessing on our fleets and armies. I therefore went to Weston Church about eleven o'clock, and read the proper prayers on the occasion, but there was no sermon preached. My squire and lady at church, and there was a very respectable congregation that attended at it. Most of my family went, and Sister Clark and three servants. We did not dine till four o'clock this afternoon. Sent a long letter to my sister Pounceet this evening. Sister Clark, Nancy, Sam, and myself all took it in our heads to take a good dose of rhubarb going to bed. February 8th. We were rather comical this evening, as we did not play cards on account of Sam, who disliked it. February 11th. Sister Clark and Nancy had a few words at breakfast. My sister can't bear to hear anyone praised more than herself in anything, but that she does the best of all. February 14th. To sixty children being Valentine's Day, one penny each, five shillings. We were all comical with Sister Clark today against her. Nancy and self played at cribbage. I won of her ninepence. February 17th. The diarist takes tickets for the play for himself and his guests at Norwich. About four, my sister Clark, Nancy, and Sam came in Mr. Duquesne's chaise to the King's Head, and a little after them came Mr. Duquesne and Mr. Hall to the same place, and we all drank coffee and tea together, and then we all went to the play. Sister Clark and Nancy and Sam went in a coach, which I hired. The play was Hamlet, and the entertainment the camp. The play was very well, but the other, like a puppet show, fit only for children. I treated Mr. Duquesne and Mr. Hall with a ticket. Mr. Priest and his brother of Repum came to the theatre to us, and they returned with us to our inn, and there we all supped and spent an agreeable evening together. For the hire of the coach paid and gave three shillings sixpence. We had for supper a couple of roast fowls, a barrel of Colchester oysters, some cold meat and tarts. It was after one o'clock before we got to bed. Mr. Duquesne and Mr. Hall slept at the King's Head. Mr. Priest and brother went home. Both the Mr. Priests offered faintly to pay their part of the reckoning this evening, but I told them there was no occasion for it, which at once they acquiesced in. They did not press it again. Gave Mr. Duquesne's man, Stephen, to go to the play by my servant man, Will, one shilling. March 8th. I breakfast, dined, supped, and slept again at home. Sister Clark breakfast, etc., here again, as did Nancy and Sam. We were very queer after dinner today, having but a plain dinner, viz. some hash mutton, a plain suet pudding, and a couple of rabbits roasted. Sam made me rather angry at dinner when I asked Sister Clark if she would have the outside of the pudding or the first cut of it, upon which Sam said, I hope you will not, madam, for you know that I always give the outside to the dogs. March 12th. My maid's brother came to our house this morn to inform his sister that their father was dead. 
he breakfasted and dined here. My maid, Betty Caxton, Betty was very low all day upon the account. Pray God comfort them all under so great a loss. March 14th. I let my maid, Betty Caxton, have my great horse to go to the funeral of her father. Ben went with her. She returned with Ben in the evening. March 26th. I went to Brand this morning for Mr. Bottom, and there read prayers and administered the holy sacrament for him as he served Mr. Hull's church at Garveston. Brand is about seven miles from my house, and very difficult road to find. I had a very small congregation there, not above twenty people, and not more than seven people at the holy sacrament. When I returned from Brand, I eat a bit of cold mutton, pulled off my boots, and went to Weston Church at half-past two, and read prayers and preached, gave notice of a sacrament on Sunday next, and read four briefs also. Mr. Custance and Lady at church, and after church they asked my sister, etc., to dine with them on Tuesday next, and that they would send their carriage after them. They apologized in not asking them before to dine. I had a large congregation at church this afternoon. Sister Clark, Nancy, and Sam went to church. Being Easter day, I had a loin of veal roasted. Sister Clark was very ill in the colic after dinner. We did not dine till four o'clock this afternoon. March 28th. We all dined and spent the afternoon at Mr. Custance's of Ringland today, and were handsomely entertained. Mr. Custance sent his coach and four after my sister and Nancy with a servant to ride by the coach besides. There were two drivers to the coach. My sister, Nancy, and Sam went in the coach and returned on her. My man, Will, went with me. Just as I was going out of my gate to go there, I met Mr. Duquesne on horseback, who was going to dine with us, and he and I rode together there. We returned to Weston after tea and got home about eight. We had for dinner, for the first course, some fine soup, a roasted pike, a saddle of mutton roasted, some veal collops, etc. The second course, some eggs, a roast fowl, orange pudding, custards, jellies, etc., Madeira, port, and Calcavella wines to drink. Oranges and apples by way of dessert. Mr. and Mrs. Custance, Mr. Duquesne, and ourselves all the company. We did not give any veils to servants. Sam talked rather strange to me before breakfast today that I did not behave well to him yesterday. Poor Sam can't take a joke. I forgot what I said to disoblige him. March 30th. Mr. Duquesne sent his chaise after my sister, Nancy, and Sam this morning to go and see Mr. Townsend's house at Huntingham. Mr. Duquesne and self rode on horseback. We got to Huntingham about eleven o'clock, saw the house, and then went round by Sir William Jernigan's at Copsley and saw home. We made quite a pleasant jaunt of it. The weather at first was a little stormy, but at last it turned out fair and fine. Mr. Townsend's house most superbly furnished, stately rooms, and very grand furniture. Mr. Duquesne returned with us to dinner, and stayed with us till about nine in the evening. I gave him for dinner a bit of boiled beef and a turkey roasted. At quadrille this evening lost sixpence. April 2nd. Sam lost his purse this afternoon, in which was a guinea and some silver, supposed to be lost within doors, but 
could nowhere be found today. April 3rd. No tidings of Sam's purse or money at all today, but my servants are suspected, as Sam says he is certain that he dropped it in my kitchen. I cannot think they are guilty. April 4th. A guinea and one of the rings of Sam's purse were found by my little maid Betty this morning among the ashes in the kitchen grate. Sam, in taking out his handkerchief out of his coat pocket, where he always kept his purse, must take the purse out with it, and standing by the fire might fall into the fire. Both guinea and ring quite black. My servants were very glad the above was found, as they were very uneasy on being suspected. April 6th. I sent Justice Buxton this morning a basket of my fine beefens, a very fine kind of apples. April 9th. I read prayers and preached this afternoon at Weston. Mr. Press Custance Lady at Weston, she sent before church to me for leave to sit in my seat, which I granted. My sister did not go to church, as I desired her not, on account of the above lady sitting in my seat today. Mr. and Mrs. Kerr at Weston Church, and in my seat in the chancel. April 15th. Sister Clark made me rather angry this morning about the fifty pound that I have of hers. She wants to have it now, but I told her that she could not have it till the estate that I bought with the money was sold again, that of speeds. I told her that I would let her have five guineas to carry her home, but no more. April 16th. The diarist is at Norwich to preach a charity sermon. At three o'clock this afternoon I walked with Mr. Francis, Sr. to St. Stephen's Church, and there heard the Reverend Mr. Carrington read prayers, and as soon as prayers were over I walked out of my seat into the vestry and stayed there till the psalm was near sung, and then I walked out and went up into the pulpit, a man walking before me with a wand, and preached a charity sermon towards the relief of the charity schools in the city of Norwich. Many of the children attended at the church. The church was very fully crowded by rich and poor. The mayor was present, being treasurer of the charity. I had some conversation with the mayor in the vestry room, and inquired for his brother, the Bishop of Rochester, Dr. Thurlow, late of Magdalen College in Oxford, and who has dined with me at New College. I gave towards the charity ten shillings sixpence. There was collected at church for the charity seven pounds, thirteen shillings, apenny. April 17th. About five o'clock my sister and Sam went off in Lenwages for Norwich to take coach for London this night. I sent my man Will with them to Norwich. Will returned about ten at night and informed us that they got safe to Norwich, but could not go from thence till tomorrow night, the coach being full. I lent my sister towards bearing her expenses five pounds, five shillings. I gave Sam my little book of maps, Atlas Minimus. We were all very low at parting with each other, poor Nancy very low indeed. I gave to Nancy this evening five shillings. My head maid slept with Nancy, and is so to do. April 18th. Mr. Duquesne sent his chairs here today about one o'clock to carry us to the rotation, and about half-past one we both got into it and went to his house, and there we dined, spent the afternoon, and part of the evening with him, Mr. and Mrs. Howes, Mr. and Mrs. Dawson, 
little Miss Roop, a Captain Loddington, and Mr. Bottom. We were very merry till just at last when Mr. Howes behaved strangely, that is, Mrs. Howes had invited all the company to dinner on Thursday next, and all settled, but just as Mr. Howes was going away he desired to be excused from having company at his house to dinner on the above day, but should be glad to see them at tea. It made all the company stare again. Nancy and myself got home about ten in Mr. Duquesne's chaise, but was rather afraid as the driver was merry, but he drove us very well and very safe. Captain Loddington is a cheerful little man, and not above twenty years of age, if so much. He was on board the Monmouth when last engaged by the French. He has seen a good deal of service aboard in the East Indies, has been in the service about four years, is first lieutenant in the sixty-one company of marines. April 24th. Nancy begun learning Latin of me this day. April 26th. Busy in painting some boarding in my wall garden, which was put up to prevent people in the kitchen seeing those who had occasion to go to Jericho. April 27th. Nancy desired me to let her have Aristotle's philosophy to read this afternoon. Miss Millard, she says, has got it in the country, and had it off a married woman. April 30th. I read prayers and preached this morning at Weston. After services I ordered the clerk to give notice that the bounds of the parish would be gone over on Wednesday next to meet at the heart by ten o'clock. May 30th. I breakfast, dined, supped, and slept again at home. About one half-past nine o'clock this morning my squire called on me, and I took my mare and went with him to the heart. Note. The heart survives as an inn at Weston, looking precisely the same, I imagine, as it has looked for some centuries. It is a charming little old inn with the coziest of kitchens. To the heart, just by the church, where most of the parish were assembled, to go to the bounds of the parish, and at ten we all set off for the same, about thirty in number. Went towards Ringland first, then to the breaks near Mr. Townsend's clumps, from thence to Atterton's on France Green, where the people had some liquor, and which I paid, being usual for the rector, four shillings sixpence. Mr. Press Custance was with us also. From France Green we went away to Mr. Dade's, from thence towards Risings, from thence down to Mr. Gallon's, then to the old hall of my squire's, thence to the old bridge at Lenwade, then close to the river till we came near Morton, then by Mr. Legris's clumps, then by Baker's, and so back till we came to the place where we first set off. Mr. Custance Sr. then called the six following old men, that is, Richard Bates, Thomas Carey, Thomas Dicker, Richard Buck, Thomas Cushion, and Thomas Carr, and gave each of them half a guinea. To George Wharton, who carried a hook and marked the trees, my squire gave also five shillings. To Robin Hubbard, also who carried a spade, he gave five shillings, and sent all the rest of the people to the heart to eat and drink as much as they would at his expense. The squire behaved most generously on the occasion. He asked me to go home and dine with him, but I begged to be excused, being tired, as I walked most of the way. 
our bounds are supposed to be about twelve miles round we were going off them full five hours we set off at ten in the morning and got back a little after three in the afternoon nancy was got to dinner when i returned ben will and jack all went the bounds ben's father william leggett in crossing the river on horseback was thrown off and was over head and ears in the river my squire's man john was likely to have had a very bad accident in leading the squire's horse over a boggy place both horses were stuck fast up to their bellies and by plunging threw him off in the mire and was very near being hurt by the horses plunging to get out but by great and providential means escaped free from any mischief the horses also were not injured at all the man had his new suit of livery on and new hat which were made very dirty where there were no trees to mark holes were made and stones cast in may ninth to a man whose name was pedrayo an italian and who is the manager of the fireworks at bunn's gardens at norwich and who makes thermometers and barometers and carries them about the country called at my house this morning with some of them and i bought one of each for which i paid him one pound sixteen shillings may thirteenth had a letter this evening from my sister Pounsett, enclosed in a frank of ben allen's in which she informed me that my aunt jane of bath was dead and had left all that she had to her maid betty a great disappointment to my uncle tom and family however pray god she may be forever happy may seventeenth i did not go to bed till after twelve at night as i expected richard andrews the honest smuggler with some gin may twenty first nancy had a new pair of stays brought home this morning by one mottram a staymaker at norwich she paid him for the same one pound eleven shillings sixpence for his journey from norwich to measure her she paid two shillings sixpence i read prayers preached and christened a child by name george this afternoon at weston church my squire and lady mr and mrs carr mr press custa's mistress and some other genteel strangers at church this afternoon mr hardy and wife dined with our folks in kitchen may twenty seventh to richard andrews smuggler for two tubs of gin paid two pounds ten shillings had another letter from bill woodford on board the ariadne he has been in an engagement but not hurt mr carey carrier forgot by wigs from norwich this evening mr duquesne's name mentioned on chase's norwich paper to-day to succeed to a prebendary of ely in the room of dr harvey lately deceased june third had a very long letter this evening from my sister clark and a very civil one i wish she had sent it before especially as i have sent a letter to my sister pouncet wherein i upbraided mrs clark for not writing june fifth mr mann's boy who was taking care of some horses in a field where there was a large clay pit full of water by accident fell in and was drowned and found about noontime quite dead he was a child of one spinks by the church a sad misfortune indeed but hope the poor lad is much happier than if he had stayed longer here mr mann very uneasy 
june 9th about two o'clock who should make his appearance at my house but nancy's brother william who is a midshipman aboard the ariadne of twenty guns he came from yarmouth on horseback this morning he wore his uniform and he dined supped and slept at my house nancy was very happy to see him indeed june 10th great riots have been in london this week these were the gordon riots an outburst of uncontrolled mob violence fomented by the maniacal lord george gordon son of the duke of gordon against the roman catholics they were the sequel to the measure note one a measure supported in the house of lords by that singularly magnanimous statesman lord shelburne see lord fitzmorris's shelburne volume two pages forty one and forty two nineteen twelve edition the measure recently promoted by sir george saville which aimed at mitigating some of the acerbities of the existing anti-catholic statutes the sequel in the sense that the fanatical spirit of religious persecution was aroused thereby the house of lord mansfield the lord chief justice who was supposed to be sympathetic to the catholics was burned with its priceless library and he himself narrowly escaped destruction wednesday night will be remembered by all the present inhabitants of london and westminster to their latest hour for the horrors and calamities with which it abounded the king's bench marshal sea and fleet prisons the dwelling-house shop and distillery of a roman catholic in holborn the house of another in great queen street and of a third in the poultry all these and more furnished a sight from my observatory particularly that of the distillery which surpassed the appearance of mount vesuvius in all its fury so wrote dr charles burney to the rev t twining on sunday june eleventh note twining correspondence pages eighty to eighty four john murray eighteen eighty two readers of the memoirs of william hickey will remember his description volume two pages two sixty five to two sixty six of the scene of desolation in london following the riots the outbreak was of course purely a fanatical mob affair and decent protestant opinion was greatly shocked of such was the rev t twining who replying in july seventeen eighty to dr burney brilliantly observes as to toleration we are children yet the very word proves it religious liberty can never be upon its right footing while that word exists tolerate it is a word of insult suppose a man should say to you when you were commending pacioretti a famous musician sir your opinion is very different from mine but however i shall put up with it june eleventh bill breakfast dined and drank tea this afternoon and about five o'clock this evening he went for yarmouth to go on board the ariadne nancy very low at parting i made bill a present this afternoon of five pounds five shillings june thirteenth i dined and spent the afternoon at mr de Keen's, being his rotation with him mr howes and mr bottom we had for dinner a leg of mutton boiled and capers three nice spring chickens roasted and a pig's face and pudding i returned home about nine o'clock and who should i see but nancy's brother returned from yarmouth his ship being sailed but will return ere long 
June 16th. Bill painted our coat of arms today on the front of the temple just erected in my garden. June 17th. Bill breakfast and spent the morning at Weston, and about one o'clock set off for Yarmouth. He had my little mare to ride some of the way, and my servant Will went with him on the great horse. Will did not return till near eleven at night. I began to be very uneasy on his not returning, but he told me that there was no coach set out for Yarmouth all this day for Norwich, and therefore he went with Bill as far as Ackle, eleven miles beyond Norwich. A confirmation of the news of yesterday on the papers and the disturbances in London quite over. Charlestown in Carolina taken, and eight thousand of the rebels killed and taken. Note one. This success and subsequent victories by Lord Cornwallis roused hopes which were shattered on October 19, 1781, by the surrender of Yorktown, into which Cornwallis had been hemmed by Washington and the French. June 18th. I read prayers and preached this afternoon at Weston, my squire and lady at church and a brother of hers, Press Custance's woman at church and in my seat also. June 19th. My squire called on me this morning and talked to me a good deal about his brother's mistress sitting in my seat yesterday and whether she had leave, and also that she strutted by them in a very impudent manner coming out of church and stared at Mrs. Custance. June 20th. At half-past twelve I took a ride to Norwich and Will with me, got to Norwich about two, got off my mare just within the gates and called at a public-house and had some porter, paid tuppence. Gave Will to go to Quantrella Gardens this evening one shilling. I walked through St. Giles Street, and it being the guild day for swearing in the new mayor one day, and who lives in St. Giles, the street was full of people and a number of flags hanging out of the windows. The market-place also was full of people, and quite down to St. Andrew's Hall, where they all dined. I saw the procession from St. Andrew's Hall up to the old Guildhall, in coaches and all but full-dressed, and a very great appearance they made, a band of music before, and the musicians dressed in gowns, bells ringing, etc., etc., after that I walked about the city by myself till near five in the afternoon, and in my walk saw Quantrella Gardens. At five drank tea at the King's Head. After that went to Mr. Buckles. There stayed and talked with him and Mr. Sterling till near six o'clock. From thence walked to Quantrella Gardens by myself, heard a sad concert, and saw the fireworks, which were very good and worth seeing, gave on going one shilling for which you have sixpence worth of anything at the bar. I supped and spent the evening there and stayed till twelve o'clock. For my supper and liquor paid one shilling sixpence. A very heavy storm fell about nine o'clock, a prodigious number of common girls there and dressed. The fireworks began about eleven o'clock and lasted about an hour. In it a representation of the engagement between the English and the French fleet under Sir George Rodney. Note. These fireworks seem to have been in celebration of the engagements between Admiral Rodney, 1719-92, and the French fleet off the West Indies in April and May, 1780. The actions were, in fact, quite ineffective. 
the French fleet on each occasion escaping. More successful was Rodney's attack on and seizure of the wealthy Dutch island of St. Eustatius early in 1781. But Rodney's fame is, of course, based on the wonderful victory over de Grasse on April 12, 1782, off the West Indies, a victory which enabled the government to enter on peace negotiations, after an otherwise disastrous war, on much more favorable terms. See D. N. B. under Rodney. About twelve I came away, called at a house on the road, spent one shilling sixpence. I was very much tired by walking so much today, was upon the foot almost from two to twelve at night. I returned to the King's Head about one o'clock, had some rum and water, and went to bed. My squire and lady at the mayor's feast, and at the assembly in the evening, and they went home after. Near four hundred people at dinner with the mayor and some of the first fashion, three hundred dishes for dinner, dainties of all sorts there besides three bucks. June twenty-third. After breakfast this morning, I sent my maid Betty to Mr. Press Custance's mistress, Miss Sharman, to desire her not to make use of my seat in the chancel any more, as some reflections had been thrown on me for giving her leave. I likewise sent will to Mr. Carr's on the same account as I was willing to make it general. Miss Sharman sent word back by Betty that she was much obliged to me for the use she had already made of it, and did not take it at all amiss in me. She knew from whence it came, and that she would get a new seat made. Mr. Carr sent me word that he was not the least angry with me, and he expected it. About two took a ride to Ringland, and dined, and spent the afternoon with my squire, his wife, Lady Bacon, and Mr. Prideaux, grandson of the famous and learned Dr. Prideaux, who wrote The Connections. Note. Humphrey Prideaux, D.D., 1648 to 1724, Dean of Norwich from 1702, was a considerable Oriental scholar. His chief works were his Life of Mahomet, 1697, and his Connection, 1716-1718, which dealt with the interval between the Old and New Testaments, a book frequently reprinted and translated into French and German. His letters were edited from the Camden Society by Sir E. Maund Thompson in 1875. See D.N.B. Mrs. Constance asked for Nancy, but Mr. Constance said nothing at all about her, which I think not right. June 24th. Mr. Carr called on me this morning and talked to me about my sending to him yesterday, but not the least angry with me. He told me he thought it would make a breach between the two Custances. My squire sent his brother a note before I sent. To old Joe Adcock's wife, her husband being ill, one shilling. June 25th. I read prayers and preached this morning at Weston, my squire and lady at church, but both went out of church much sooner than they used to do. Nobody in my seat. July 13th. Mr. Duquesne's man, Robert, brought me some cherries this afternoon, I suppose by his master's orders. Mr. Duquesne set off yesterday morn with Mr. Townsend for Scotland, alias North Britain. Mrs. Townsend also with them. Cousin James Lewis, 
same to my house this evening on foot and only a dog with him by name juno he supped and slept at my house he came here about eight o'clock july fifteenth had a letter this evening from my sister pounceset in which she mentions that our brother john had a fall lately from his horse at evercreech and put out his shoulder-bone being a little merry i hope it will be of service to him as it is a miracle almost that he never hurt himself before july twenty first i heard nothing from justice brainthwaite alias gobble to-day about fishing yesterday the diarist had had leave to fish below attlebridge from one michael andrews and the justice's estates only came up to the river on one side from his nickname gobble he must have been an unpleasant fellow he had seen the diarist fishing and said he would send to him july twenty fourth the press gang note see page nine from norwich came to weston last night and carried off a man from Odenham Green about nine o'clock. August 3rd, Mr. Thomas of Durham, brother of the Bishop of Rochester, a Mr. Paley, who is to be ordained deacon on Sunday next, and is to be the curate to Mr. Thomas Michaelmas next at Durham, and Mr. Hall, dined and spent the afternoon with us, and stayed with us till after seven in the evening. I gave them for dinner some fish, a piece of boiled beef, beans and bacon, a couple of ducks roasted, and some apple tarts. We spent the afternoon in the temple. August 11th. My great horse, much worse this morning, he had been taken ill the day before, and dosed with gin and beer, was walked up to Reeves again, and Ben with him. The doctor gave Ben a draft for him to take, but the poor horse was so ill on his return that we could not give it him and about ten o'clock this morning died. I endeavored to bleed him a little before, and sent Will to Gould of Attlebridge to come and see him, but he was dead long before he came. Gould said that he died of a fever in the bowels, and that he should have been bled, and had a clyster and some cooling physic also. I'm very sorry for him, as he was so good-natured a beast. Don't intend to employ Reeves any more as a farrier. I could not have thought he would have died so soon. The death of my poor good-natured horse, by name Jack, made me very uneasy all the day long. Ben and Will skinned him. We kept one half of him, and we gave the other half to Mr. Press Custance. Whatever the skin fetches is to be divided between Will and Ben and Jack. August 12th. Fretting and vexing about my horse made me much out of order today, quite low. August 21st. Cousin Lewis breakfast here, and about nine o'clock took his leave of us, and sent off on foot for Nottinghamshire. I gave him going away one pound eleven shillings sixpence. I gave him besides a coat and waistcoat, three pair of breeches, a pair of stockings, and a pair of new shoes, since he has been with us. August 26th. Bad news on the papers. Sixty sail of East and West India ships taken by the French and Spanish fleets. September 8th. Mr. Howes sent his chaise after my niece to go and dine at Huckering. I rode my mare there. We dined and spent the afternoon at Mr. Howes with him, his wife, Mrs. Davy, and daughter Betsy, Charles and Turner Roop, Mr. Payne and wife with a long chin, Mr. Don and his new married lady, and Mr. and Mrs. Hewitt of Mattenshall, 
at whose house Mr. and Mrs. Don are at. Mrs. Don is a, an agreeable lady, but rather deaf. We had for dinner a leg of mutton boiled and capers, a couple of fowls boiled and a tongue, a couple of ducks roasted, some blamage and tarts. At quadrille this afternoon one sixpence. Turner Roop is in the militia and appeared in regimentals. We returned to Weston about nine o'clock. Charles Roop accompanied Nancy back in the chaise. I was on my mare and caught in a little storm on the road, gave Ty, the driver of the chaise, two shillings, gave to a boy that went behind the chaise sixpence, great bustle at Norwich on account of the dissolution of Parliament, great opposition expected. The election is to be for the city on Monday next. September 11th, this day the election began for the city of Norwich. N.B. Candidates for Norwich, Mr. Bacon, see page 233, footnote, Sir Harbert Harbert, Mr. Wyndham, and Mr. Thurlow. September 12th, Sir Harbert Harbert and Mr. Bacon re-chosen for Norwich. September 19th, my man Will Coleman had a citation from the ecclesiastical court to appear there the 3rd of October in a cause respecting defamation. Note, see remarks on pages 69 and 70. Defamation of one Anne Lillystone, who lived with me last year, and is now with child by a servant man of John Bowles, by name Robert Woodcock. Will was in a peck of troubles about it, though nothing. Nancy and myself dined and spent the afternoon at Mr. Custance's of Ringland with him and his lady. We spent a very agreeable day there. Mrs. Custance came after Nancy in a coach and four, in which also I went, and we returned in the same about seven. To the coachman and postillion and an outrider gave three shillings. September 22nd, my squire called on me this morning to desire me to come over in the afternoon and privately name his newborn son. I married one John Want and Rose Branton this morning by license at Weston Church, a compelled marriage, and B. am owed by Mr. Mann, the church warden, for marrying them, as I could not change a guinea, ten shillings sixpence. I took a ride in the afternoon to Mr. Custance's of Ringland and privately named his child by name Edward. I stayed and drank a dish of coffee with the squire and one with Mr. Martineau of Norwich, a doctor and man midwife. Note, doubtless an ancestor, possibly grandfather, certainly a kinsman of the famous nineteenth-century Martineau, Harriet and her brother James. The Martineaus were of Huguenot origin. Gaston Martineau of Dieppe, settling as a surgeon in Norwich after the revocation of the Edict of Nantes, in the biography of George Martineau by James Drummond and C. B. Upton, 1902, it is stated, pages 2 and 3, the profession of this founder of the English branch of the Martineaus became to some extent hereditary. In the records of the French church at Norwich, we twice meet with the name of David Martineau entered as that of an eminent surgeon. Philip Meadows Martineau, the uncle of James, was also distinguished, and within the family in Magdalen Street the eldest son devoted himself to the ancestral calling. Received a printed letter from the bishop to send him an account of the Roman Catholics in my parish, but I don't know of one in it. September 23rd 
had another letter from my sister Pounsett this evening to inform me that my niece Sophie Clark and my nephew Robert White were set off together to be married. James and Richard Clark, Frank Woodford, and his wife were all confounded angry about it, as they think Robert too much of the clown. Their pride is hurt much. For my part I think it a good match, on both sides, and if they marry I wish them happy. They are both good-natured. September 28th. The diarist and Will ride to Norwich. Went to Mr. Morphew's office to talk with him about my servant Will being cited into court, but he was not at home. September 29th. After breakfast walked again to Mr. Morphew's, but he was not come home. I talked with his clerks. From thence went to Mr. Utton's of the cathedral and employed him as a proctor for my servant. Gave him a retaining fee of five shillings. We hear no more of the case, and may presume that Will was exculpated from the charge of defaming Anne Lillystone. October 13th. Mr. Carey's daughter, the widow Pratt, is, we hear, with child by her servant that lived with her last year, but she pretends to say that she was ravished one night coming from her father's by a man whom she does not know. October 15th. Will came home drunk this evening after supper from Barnard Dunnell's at Morton, and he and my head-maid had words and got to fighting. Will behaved very saucy and impudent, and very bold in his talk to me. Shall give it to him to-morrow for the same. October 16th. I gave Will a lecture this morning concerning last night's work. October 24th. My squire, Mr. Constance, called on me this morning, and spent the best part of an hour with me. He talked with me about his new tenants, Gallant and Howlett, concerning tithe, but spoke very open and ingenuous about it, and left it entirely to me respecting the same. Mrs. Davy came to us this morning, and dined and spent the afternoon with us. Mrs. Davy slipped of the horse as she was getting up to go home. She did not hurt herself. I laughed much. November 12th I read prayers and preached this morning at Weston. Neither my squire nor lady at church this morning. As I was returning from church this morning, Mr. Press Custance overtook me and acquainted me that Mr. Custance had lost his last, i.e. latest, child this morning. It had been ill some time. I walked with Mr. Press Custance back to the church and fixed on a place in the church where the child is to be buried. We heard this morning by Mr. Press Custance that many people were robbed yesterday between Norwich and Mattishall by two highwaymen. They are both known and were very near being taken. One of them is a nephew of one Parfaroy, a gardener at Ringland, and his name is Husson. My man Ben knows him very well. These two fellows slept at Ben's father's on Friday night, and were in the parish of Weston most of the day yesterday. Nancy was much alarmed on hearing the above. It was lucky that I did not go to Norwich last week. November 13th. About eleven o'clock this morning took a ride to Norwich, and my servant William Coleman went with me. I carried with me upwards of a hundred and fifty pound in bills and cash, and got to Norwich very safe with the same went to Mr. Carriston's bank, and there received a bank-note of a hundred and fifty pounds, which I immediately enclosed in a letter and sent it by the post to Dr. Bathurst of Christ Church, and which I hope will get safe to him there. 
This was the tithe the diarist had collected for his friend Dr. Bathurst, the non-resident parson of the neighboring parish of Witchingham. Carrison the banker asked me to dine with him, but could not. At four o'clock this afternoon I set off for Weston, and got home safe and well, thank God, about six in the evening. Dr. Bathurst's name is mentioned frequently in the diary, and an outline of his life may help the reader. He was Henry Bathurst, 1744 to 1837, nephew of the first Earl Bathurst, and from 1805 Bishop of Norwich. He was the diarist's contemporary and friend both at Winchester and at New College. As a bishop he was notable as being in politics a liberal, considered indeed at the time uh, the only uh, liberal uh, bishop in the House of Lords, and as a warm supporter of Catholic emancipation. His eldest son Henry was also in the church, and was appointed, presumably by his father, Archdeacon of Norwich in 1814. The diarist did not live to see his old friend made Bishop of Norwich, otherwise he himself might have been promoted for his faithful services in collecting tithes for the non-resident rector of Witchingham. Between 1775 and 1805, Dr. Bathurst was canon of Christchurch, Oxford. The author of the notice in the Dictionary of National Biography says that Dr. Bathurst's love of literature was great, and his literary instinct just. There is a fine statue of him in Norwich Cathedral. November 15th. Went to church this morning at eleven o'clock, and there buried Mr. Constance's son, Edward, aged seven weeks and three days. The corpse was brought in a coach, and four, attended by two servant-maids, in very deep mourning and long black hoods. Mr. Press Custance was the chief mourner. None of their relations attended besides. Neither Mr. nor Mrs. Custance there. The coffin was led with a breastplate on it, and on that was engraved the age and name of the child. The breastplate was plain, and made thus circular. The child was buried in the church in the north aisle. The coach came up close to the church door. The drivers and other servants had hat-bands and gloves. I had also a fine black silk hat-band, tied with white love-ribboned and a pair of white gloves. After the funeral, Mr. Press Custance gave me a bit of white paper sealed up with Mr. Custance's arms on it, and in which there were five pounds, five shillings. Only a clean white napkin covered the lead coffin. Very rough, with much snow this morning, and very cold. November 18th. Had a letter this evening from my sister Pounsett, who informed us that the late Mr. Guppy had left Mr. Pounsett whole and sole executor, that Mrs. Pounsett of coal had thirty pounds per annum for her life, that Mr. Guppy's maid, Sybil, had ten pounds in cash, and a little house and garden left her by Mr. Guppy also. Received also a letter from Bill Woodford, from Sheerness, who tells us that he is going to leave the Ariadne, the captain whose name is Squire and him not agreeing, and that he intends to try again for the lieutenancy of Marines. I'm afraid he will not turn out well in the end, as he is so unsteady. I doubt not but that he has given Captain Squire just cause to be angry with him. Robert White and Sophia Clark, who eloped, my sister tells us, are married, were married in Devonshire. November 21st. 
the two highwaymen that lately infested these roads were taken at Swaffham last night or this morning. November 25th, I took my men, Will, Ben, Jack, out a-coursing this morning after breakfast, and coursed till three in the afternoon, caught a brace of hares and a rabbit. December 2nd, had Edmonds on complete body of heraldry, two large folio volumes in boards brought home this evening by Mr. Carey, and which I bespoke some time ago, being desired by Bathurst to accept of some books a great while ago, and therefore fixed on the above. Note, this book is now in the possession of Dr. R. E. H. Woodford, see prefatory note, and contains a charming Latin inscription referring to their W's and B's early friendship from Winchester days. See also page 295. On December 5th, the diarist has his annual tithe frolic with the usual excellent hospitality for the farmers who attended it. Mr. Press Custance neither came or sent to me, which I think very ungenteel, after my sending so civil a note. December 7th paid Mr. Thomas Palmer for malt for a year twenty-two pounds. To a traveling peddler for Moore's Almanac paid eightpence. To ditto for the ladies' pocketbook one shilling. Mr. Palmer brought me a very large hare, but very old one, I believe it be. However, it was kind of him. December 9th. Received a letter from Edmund Lewis, son of Cousin James Lewis, to let us know that his father, the above Cousin James Lewis, was dead, that he died the 24th of September last, owing, he said, to laying in a pair of damp sheets on his return from my house, homeward. I had a letter from Cousin James Lewis soon after he got home, which mentions nothing of his catching the least cold, and it was wrote in good spirits by him. Edmund also mentions in his letter that his father should say that he had left some shirts behind him here, but poor man he never brought any but what he had on his back when he came here. I am very sorry for him, hope that God will pardon his past errors, and that he is now happy. It is strange that his son should not acquaint us of his death long before. His sending now was only to beg charity of me, and hope I would be kind to the family. December 15th, Nancy and myself, being rather out of spirits and ill last night, took a dose of rhubarb each last night, and this morning we were both brave. Mr. Hall dined and spent the afternoon with us. He also dined here the day that I went to Norwich with Nancy. Nancy was not well pleased with him, and about leaving a dog here behind him, which, however, he did not, as Nancy was against it. I gave him for dinner some fish and a shoulder of mutton roasted. He left us about four o'clock. Mrs. Davy called here this afternoon, in Mr. Howe's chaise, with her daughter Betsy, who is just returned from school, and is to spend a few days with Nancy. Therefore Mrs. Davy left her with us. Betsy slept with my niece, Nancy Woodford. December 16th, Nancy had a letter from her brother Will this evening, wherein he mentions that all matters between him and his captain are made up, dated from Sheerness. Little Betsy Davy cried a good deal this evening after supper, but about what I know not. She is of a very meek spirit, poor little maid. December 20th, 
Mrs. Davy came on foot to our house this morning, just after we had breakfast, and she stayed and dined and spent the afternoon and part of the evening with us till seven o'clock, and then went home on horseback behind Mr. Howe's servant, who came after her. It was very dark when Mrs. Davy went away. Little Betsy Davy complaining of a headache this morning. I gave her a little rhubarb this evening, which she took exceeding well, and I hope will do her good. Betsy Davy is a very good, sensible child, talks like a woman, though but ten years of age. December 21st, to poor people of this parish being St. Thomas's Day, gave each of them sixpence against Christmas, gave in the whole today, forty-four in number, one pound, two shillings. My squire gave them a shilling apiece. December 25th. I read prayers and administered the Holy Sacrament this morning at Weston, being Christmas Day, my squire and lady both at church and at the sacrament. This being Christmas Day, the following old poor men dined at my house, and I gave each of them a shilling to carry home to their wives, Richard Bates, Richard Buck, Thomas Dicker, Thomas Carey, Thomas Cushion, Thomas Carr, and my clerk, James Smith. In all, gave them seven shillings. I had a prodigious fine sirloin of beef roasted with quantities of plum puddings. We also began on mince pies today at dinner. December 30th. Nancy had her new cotton gown brought home this evening from Norwich by Mr. Carey, and I think very handsome, trimmed with green ribbon, a cotton of my choice. December 31st. This being the last day of the year, we sat up till after twelve o'clock, then drank a happy new year to all our friends, and went to bed. We were very merry indeed after supper till twelve. Nancy and Betsy Davy locked me into the great parlor, and both fell on me and pulled my wig almost to pieces. I paid them for it, however. End of section 23, 1780